We're taking the judgment out mm-hmm. of things going wrong. Wrong is no longer equatable to bad. Mm-hmm. It happened. You made a mistake. You screwed up. We move on yeah. and we fix it and we go from there because we can't change that it happened. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. So it was going to be a race to decide who would jump in first to say, welcome back to the podcast, whether it be me, i.e. Brianne Dick, or my partner in crime here, Jill, you can say hi. Hello. But then I realized there's never much of a race because I'm always the one who talks first and most. So welcome back to the show. I can see you over there. I can tell when you're talking. I can even hear you some. So if I hear me first, and but it comes through that you come in first, then I know there's leg. All right. Well, this feels like a really interesting dynamic to be <laughs> having going into today's podcast episode because we're going to be talking about team culture. And it's funny because... Jill, you regularly, whether it's like with a new group of clients or with a new team member, you regularly tell them, by the way, if you hear Brianne and I going back and forth, that's just who we are. It's just normal. All good. (laughs) Last week, we were talking about how your values can attract the kinds of clients and collaborators, aka team members, that you'll work with in your business, that you want to work with in your business. And this week, we're going to, again, dive in a little bit deeper on that in how those exact values and that culture will shape the team that you're building. And it's a great example because the culture that Brianna and I have and what we've built into our company is very much this kind of playful yet serious. Yeah. Well, and it's right. It's like this this idea that I'm not on a pedestal, Jill's not on a pedestal. We will banter and pick at each other in front of team members, not in a mean way, but in that it's showing up in a certain way where we're showing up as people, as humans, which is such a huge part of our business values and how we want to show up. It's an extension of who we are, but it's also an invitation for our team to show up as they are. And- That's really the conversation that I want to dig into first, Jill, because there is so much talk in business in general, but in the online industry specifically, where it's it's this polarization of either you're about the human side of business or you're about the money side, the profit side of business, right? And it's like you either fall in camp number one. Or you fall in camp number two, and I'm sorry, but you can't separate those two things. People don't see how there's that intersection. And really, in our language, right, going back to the three structures, it's, we're talking about the intersection between the team structure and the profit structure, and how those can intercept and align, because they do, mm-hmm. right? There are metrics. You need to be aware of profit and how that profit influences your team and how your team influences the profit. Yeah. And you can and should, in my opinion, have both. Yeah. If you do one over the other, you're ending up, well, it's, it's I'm going to use a word. It's not quite the right word. Maybe I'll come up with a better one. It's an overreaction, right? It's mm. the pendulum swinging too far yeah. one way or the other. And what? it's imbalanced. I would go so far as to say you can't separate team and profit 
even if like we just look at this from the highly logical data perspective that you have a certain amount of energy, your team has a certain amount of energy, capacity, et cetera, to be able to generate profit. So you can't separate labor, for lack of a better word, from the ability to generate profit. And the effectiveness of your team, the efficiency, the extent to which they are lit up by the work they're doing, that also impacts profit. If you have zero or negative profit margin, you can't hire and pay your team. And so I think this whole business, I think this whole idea that it's like either I'm going super profitable or I'm building my team. That makes zero sense because you actually have to do both at the same time. And and when you do it right then you actually start to see an amplification right of those both of those things right and because this comes back into the team when they understand and amplify your values when they understand and amplify their own zones of genius with each other they're able to do more they're able to give more they're more effective gives more profit gives more opportunities it snowballs yeah you talked about the structures the team and profit structures but our whole philosophy is based around the idea of you don't work on those things in isolation. You work on them where they intersect and where profit and team intersect is in the culture that you're building, the cultural systems, the cultural practices, the behaviors, all of yeah. those things come together. Yeah, they do. And from a team perspective, you could almost say if like they all come together, they're all cyclic, they're all interwoven. But if you were to start looking at them from one perspective, for me, it's from hiring because that's when you start building your team. Yeah. What is the relation between the focus on the profit side, on the number side, on the businessy, if you will, side, stereotypical business side versus this focus on team? And Erica Corday, who we met in our last episode, it, she addressed this, I think, really well as part of our roundtable. You have to start with acknowledging what's the most important thing, because if it's numbers, then you already know it's numbers. You're not worried if someone's sick. You're not worried if their kid is sick. You're not worried if their mental health is not as stable as they would like it to be at that moment. But if it's people first, then you already know what the priority is. And I think it starts with, it's obviously like a behavior modeling thing of showing them that it's safe to do so. Um, because, you know, this was something else that someone brought up at the retreat of like, you know, we have mental health days built in, but our team isn't yet comfortable knowing that they can take them because they don't know if it's like a bait and switch because, you know, back in the day, we all kind of had these jobs where it's like, you better really be sick and you have to like prove that you need off. You couldn't just be off, let alone just choosing, hey, I, I just need today for whatever reason. And I think it's behavior modeling to remind them that it's safe for them to do it, but you also have to do it as well. And as somebody that doesn't do well, b being sick and taking off, I have had to learn the hard way that I can't expect someone else to do something that I am not challenging myself to do better at. How many times did you show up to work sick at our previous oh. job? 
Jill, right? Dozens and dozens. And not even just sick, but there was days I get migraines. Mm -hmm. And there were days that looking at the computer screen was agonizing. Mm -hmm. And yet I still had to go in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and had to, but I chose to because of this exact situation that she's talking about here. Yeah. And that's, we talked a couple episodes ago about this stated values versus actual values. Organizationally, we can say that our values are people first. But what Eric is saying here is what an organization's real values are by how they're acting. I think in a lot of ways, it comes down to this idea of prioritization. And it's something that I've, I've been working with our clients a lot lately, too, just from a project perspective. Of prioritization doesn't mean this and only this. Mm -hmm. Prioritization means this first, then that. Yeah. And people often forget the then that part. Yeah. We talk about this in terms of prioritizing your values, right? It's not enough mm -hmm. to just have your values and know your values. You have to prioritize them and be able to say, if two values come into conflict, this is the one that will take priority. And that takes a level of consciousness and nuance that. As Erica says, you have to be really aware of what you believe versus what society tells us those priorities yes. should be. It is really getting into that conversation of, you know, why is this hard or why is this challenging or why did you feel like you you had to come and you don't have to be not because I'm questioning you or because I'm kind of pushing back, but because. I really want you to know that it's not because we're requiring you to. And if there is a societal programming that is propelling you to feel as though you must, the only way that we can kind of deprogram it is to acknowledge it and to blow holes in it. And so we're we're essentially having to start by acknowledging what's important and then being able to figure out how do we protect it at any cost? And how is it that we can remind the people that we work with that, you know, and that's whether they're in-house team or support team, because a lot of us have team that isn't necessarily in-house. Like we have, you know, a podcast um, production team that we work with. And if they need support, I'm not going to be like, hey, but, you know, this has to be has to be put out. So, you know, we have to remember that people come first and how are we modeling it consistently? How are we not only sharing that? Yes, this is what is the priority, but we're actually backing it up with our actions and we're making sure that we're holding ourselves accountable in the same exact way and knowing that it's not perfect and it's an evolution and it's going to continue to grow. Like we're going to screw it up. We're going to go back. We're going to do it again. So true. So true. Especially that last part. You are going to screw it up. Yeah. Let me just pull out my soapbox for a second because this is something I had to relearn myself. Not only like a week and a half ago, because <laughs> this is something that for me comes up often. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I don't know if you know this. And it's hard to recognize that I'm going to screw up or that if I hand over control of something, it'll screw up at some point. You're going to fail at some point. And that's OK. It's, it's not just that it's OK, but we need to expect that we're going to screw up. We're going to expect these mistakes to happen. And that expectation can then inform how you engage with your team, how you hire, how you onboard, because you're now not expecting perfection from day one. You're modeling, as Erica said, a different way of showing up. Basically, we're taking the judgment out mm -hmm. of 
things going wrong, quote unquote wrong, right? Wrong is no longer equatable to bad. Mm -hmm. It happened. You made a mistake. You screwed up. It screwed up. Mm -hmm. We move on and we fix it and we go from there because we can't change that it happened. Yeah. And taking this back to the conversation about numbers versus people, and it's not a versus, right? It's both and. Here's a perfect example of where these two things come into conflict is you go out and you hire someone at bottom dollar and then you're going to expect them to be perfect. And they can't be perfect and you're not paying for someone who has the high level of skills. And so the fact that you haven't brought the profit and team into alignment you're you're just not setting yourself up for success on any front. Recently, I was talking about this with a client of ours. There has been a big shortage of marketing individuals out there for hiring. Yeah, right? for, for this so particular position that she wanted. For this, like, for this particular yeah. position, yeah. And for the skill set. And as such, the big companies were going and putting out top dollar, above top dollar, Mm -hmm. to try and pull people in. And so she was having a hard time finding people that would take the value for value. What happens with these big companies so often is when the market stabilizes, those people that they basically overpaid to get that top dollar, to get that above top dollar, they're going to get laid off. Mm Mm-hmm. So that the company can then go and get someone at the normal or under normal rate. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism wins in a capitalist society. Go figure. Go figure. But if you turn that around and you actually are going value for value, Mm -hmm. that brings in a whole different dynamic. And that's actually something that Sandra, who we introduced you to a couple episodes ago, Sandra Holling, talks about with regards to the value that you generate or your employees generate for your business when you value your employees' efforts appropriately. I made a transition at some point along the way to leaning into hiring more experienced people and being willing to pay them really well because it creates an environment of trust and loyalty. And it also, I think, empowers me as a business owner to have the expectations that I do because I'm also being very generous. Like they know that I'm going to have their back and I want to build an environment where they're also going to have my back. And that's both in terms of an energetic exchange, but also in terms of collaborating on work. Like my integrator on a regular basis will remind me that one of my values is to take care of myself. If she even hears a hint that I'm heading in the wrong direction, she's very quick to nip that in the bud. That That's a good thing to have on your team, especially in a right-hand person. And then the second piece of modeling is so key. Not just modeling the self-care, but modeling what it looks like to make a mistake and modeling what it looks like to take personal responsibility, even if it was something small, and giving a demonstrated pathway for that process so that that trust is built. Because it can very much feel like a bait and switch, like not all of us totally feel like we're standing on solid ground with the new way that we're trying to lead. This takes me back a little bit to what you were saying earlier, Jill, about these big companies that hire people, they pay them top dollar because it's a really competitive market out there. And the other thing that comes out of it is if you're hiring people who are taking the position because it's top dollar, you're getting people who are there for the money 
because that's the culture you're building. You're demonstrating that we express our gratitude for you by simply paying you bucket loads of money, but you're still going to have to work when you're sick. You can't make mistakes. You can't do these things. The flip side of that is, okay, if that's what you are expressing is valued, is money above all else, then the people who work for you, who are attracted to that, will also leave as soon as they get a better offer, right? Because you're not actually building loyalty. You're not actually in getting them to embrace your vision. There's no shared values that you're building this culture on other than money. And so in the long term, you're just going to have to keep throwing money and time at the recruiting process because you're on this hamster wheel. Well, not only just money and time, one of the things I've seen is about how money is an extrinsic motivator, Mm -hmm. right? Getting out of bed for money. If you're sick, getting out of bed for money, most people will be, right? But if you turn around and you have an intrinsic motivator of a value alignment, a purpose, Mm -hmm. that's when people put their all into something. That's when they give you their 110. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's something they believe, it's something that they've latched onto and that they're aligned with. And so they that's when they have your back. That's when they have the back of the business. That's when they have the back of the team because they believe in the work that they're doing. Yeah. Not just because they're getting paid. Well, and, and that's so that then leads to them bringing their, their best selves to work, being able to use their creative, their zone of genius, all of these things for the benefit of not just for the benefit of the business, but for the benefit of the work you're doing. And what that means is that you don't need to fall into this command and control structure where it's like, you have to do what I do the way you, you know, the way we tell you to do it. And you should just be lucky to even have a job. Yeah. Come on. Command and control has worked for hundreds of years. Yeah. Like- it worked for a hundred of years because it started on slave plantations. What are we really saying? when we're exactly when we're going to this yeah i know we've been harping on businesses that are focusing on money above all but when you look at someone who is coming to work because they're getting paid versus someone who's coming to work because they believe in the purpose how much responsibility are you comfortable giving that person Mm -hmm. how much trust can you have in that person when the only reason they're there is because they're getting paid harvard business review is not particularly known for being new wave right although their their latest articles actually they've had some really good stuff but even like hbr is showing that i remember reading a book it's probably close to a decade now it was gallup research did 12 the elements of great managing and it was like Mm -hmm. what actually makes for good management the research showed it was things like someone cares about me at work Someone has told me I've done a good job in the last seven days. Like those are the things that actually make people valued. And that's why we're seeing this great resignation happening right now, right? People leaving jobs where they're not being treated as people, where they don't have any autonomy, where they're just underpaid and undervalued. The thing for me is that part of valuing your team isn't just valuing them from a pay or the the role and the work that they do but it's also about extending that definition to 
their work environment, the customer journey, their journey, like it's a whole piece of the puzzle. And Tyler McCall, we we introduced him a couple of episodes ago, and he was on last episode as well, in our roundtable was talking about this with regards to trying to recruit team members who can become fans of a calm and measured business environment. One of the things that I'm working hard on, and this is after lots of missteps and getting this wrong, is creating an environment where my team doesn't have surprises, unless it's like a good or pleasant surprise. So creating a space in which the work that we do, the decisions that we're making, it's very collaborative. You know, I'm not Moses going to the mountaintop, bringing back a message for the masses of how we're going to change the world. That's not what we're doing here. I bring an idea to the table and say, hey, y'all, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Let's tear it apart together. Let's think about it. So that looks like having co-working time on my calendar every week where my team and I co-work together instead of it just being us like off on our own desks in our own stretchy pants or doing our own thing. Let's work together let's work collaboratively let's like problem solve together in real time that's been part of it and also being like very very focused on consent and bringing up topics bringing up ideas asking questions making sure my team members are okay with receiving feedback in that moment about whatever that may be that they're okay discussing this topic that they are you know okay with us moving forward in this direction and that's been a big shift for me this year community yeah that is a value add and just gives another level to what we can bring to the table to make our employees feel valued and feel like people. Those weekly or biweekly team meetings that you're having shouldn't be, as Tyler said, Moses on the mountaintop coming and talking at you for an hour. It's actually a conversation about what's going on and how can we problem solve stuff together. There are things that most business owners would say they would never even consider talking with about their team, like pricing, for example, what should we price this at? We had that conversation in a team meeting last week. It's like, hey, we need to revisit mm-hmm. this pricing. Let's everyone have input to the point where we actually said at the end of the conversation, it's like, OK, because we were on Zoom, everyone type into chat, type it in what you and think then on the count of three. Yeah. On the count of three, hit enter and we'll see. And everyone had the same number and it was beautiful. It worked out perfectly. But it's like this total switch toward creating an environment where it's we mm-hmm. are here to do this. And that is a culture choice based on a values decision. I want to pause here for a second and just acknowledge something. That level of transparency that we're talking about, that level of honesty, of being open and providing those safe spaces can be challenging. It can feel really awkward. It can feel really hard Mm -hmm. because we grew up, right? Society has taught us that isn't the way that we should be. Mm -hmm. We should be closed in. Everything should be hidden. Everything should be kept tight to our chest. All of our cards, no cards on the table, cards up here. And so it can be really challenging to have that space. But think of it this way. If it's challenging for us, how much more challenging is it for our people, for our team to be able to come forward and say, hey, listen, I've got these thoughts on this thing and They're contrary to what you're thinking, but I think it could make a really big difference. And it's in my zone of genius. Yeah. That's why we hire these people is to help us because they're better than us at these things. There's two pieces that come into this that I I think are so important. The first is to recognize 
when we are wanting to not be transparent, if we're trying to hide something, a really good example is pay, right? In a lot of companies, it is forbidden to talk about how much everyone is paid. In our company, you go to the spreadsheet, you see everyone's pay. It's right there. You can see how that number was come to. You can like, it's all right there. We've gone completely on transparency. Same with business finances. Our team can see the financial health of the business. Some people get really wigged out about that. They're like, I don't want my team to know how much profit we did. I don't want our team to know how much I personally am getting paid. And this is where there's two sides of it. First thing is you have to be willing to dig in and say, why am I feeling like I need to hide this? Because that's usually, it could be a cultural conditioning thing, like a societal cultural thing, but it could also be a sign that you are actually doing something that is feeling misaligned with your values. Oh, my profit margin is super high and I'm all about empowerment. And so I don't feel like I'm empowering my team and like they're not being compensated properly. That's why I don't want to show it. That's like a laser beam into hang on. This is something where you have work to do to actually be acting in alignment with your values. Because if you're hiding it because you're uncomfortable, you need to sort that out. Yeah. In in a similar vein, if you're hiding it, not just because you're uncomfortable, because you think that they will go above and beyond and have that capitalist mindset. And I'm not saying that in a negative sense of you've made all of this money. I've contributed all of this. I should be getting more. Yeah. Again, same thing. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's also too that they are a values mismatch. Yeah. Going back to that, if someone's going in and they only want to get the top dollar, their driver is money. Yeah. Is that who you want? Is your driver money? Is that who you want in your business? Number one, if you're feeling like you, you know, you've got this lack of transparency because of shame, that's a problem. But number two, if you're not creating transparency, if you're not being transparent, then you are signaling to your team that this isn't their problem, that they shouldn't be invested, that they shouldn't be contributing at any higher level. And you're actually shutting down their ability and desire to provide the higher level of contribution that you're actually looking for in the first place. Now, on the flip side here, keep in mind, we're not about creating an environment for groupthink either, Mm -hmm. right? Once they feel like they have that ability to bring themselves forward, we are actually talking about creating an environment where your team wants to challenge you and each other to live up to those businesses' values, to live up to that business's culture. Or to go and say, you know what? Things have changed. We need to change our values. We need to update them so that we're now in alignment because the industry has changed or because we've grown to a certain point. This goes back to that idea of being willing to make mistakes. And as Sandra said, it's not just enough to be modeling what we want, but we have to be willing to model what it looks like to make that mistake and take responsibility. We should want our team members to feel comfortable saying, hey, I don't think that this is the right way because of X, Y, Z value. They should be able to check us just as much as we can check them. That's deeply uncomfortable and no one wants to hear when they're wrong. That's also part of building your own personal capacity to be able to hear those things. That's part of the leadership journey. 
as part of that journey, you know, going through making sure that you're recruiting those qualified, well-compensated people into the roles that they can fully own will help you eliminate a lot of that drama and conflict that it comes with hiring like a junior professional for senior roles or bringing in a contractor that isn't really fully bought in to building your business versus building theirs. One of the questions that I think is so interesting is this idea of a hierarchical team structure versus a flat team structure, right? You know, we're talking about hiring the right people and empowering them, but at the same time, we're talking about still having managers and still having leaders. And there can be a tension there when we're thinking about how do we express our values for equity, for opportunity, for justice, for all of these things. How can we do that and be in a situation where it's not like we need everyone to be involved in every decision and nothing happens? And not to spoiler things, but I can't keep a secret <laughs> to save my soul. And I always spoil everything. <laughs> ever, ever but, keep a secret. But that's where the visionary pyramid comes in. And we talked about that a bunch in season one. We have actually talked about it in every season. But next episode, we're going to dig into that a little more deeply and talk about how can you be in alignment with values for equity and still have a team structure that has different people making different decisions? How do we navigate this hierarchy, command and control, equity, flat organization. We're going to talk about all of that next week. As always, we appreciate that you are here and listening to us. I am Jill Giovanazzo. This is Brianne Dick. And from the unceded territory of the Qualicum First Nations, thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you soon on the next episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag VisionaryCEOPodcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey, it's Brianne here. I just wanted to let you know that everything we're talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with clients at the Visionary CEO Academy. We've got a great program for strategists, coaches, and other online business owners that helps you scale from low or mid six figures to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, while keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more info and to get started.